You are tuned into SME Community Radio. My name is Keith, and welcome to our afternoon program of Michiana Speak Out, a chance for us to talk to different folks on the staff or you out there. You can leave me a voicemail anytime, 24-7, and we'll put that on the air. It is Tuesday, August the 10th. Let's go on to the news. News Nation this hour, I'm Vic Vaughn. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has announced his resignation. He's facing sexual harassment allegations from 11 accusers. He mentioned his three daughters in today's news conference. I have lived this experience with and through them. I have sat on the couch with them, hearing the ugly accusations for weeks. I have seen the look in their eyes and the expression on their faces. And it hurt. Cuomo admitted to what he called making mistakes and apologized. Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul becomes governor of New York, effective in 14 days. Senate lawmakers in Washington have passed a $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure package. It's for roads, bridges, airports, water and broadband. It now heads to the House chamber. The National Hurricane Center has issued tropical storm warnings for the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. Meteorologist Jack Bevan says they expect a potential cyclone there to gain strength. People further downstream in the Bahamas, Cuba, and Florida should keep an eye on the system. It's way too early to tell what kind of impact it's going to have uh, further along the possible track because of uncertainty and how strong it'll be and uh, which way it'll go. Residents of an eight-story condo building in Miami have been ordered to evacuate. City of Officials deemed it unsafe last night, gave them until this morning to be out. The evacuation order comes roughly six weeks after the collapse of a 12-story condo building 15 miles north in Surfside that killed 98 people. Vice President Kamala Harris is urging uninsured Americans to sign up under the Affordable Care Act ahead of a deadline this weekend. The demand is there. We saw that when we extended the open enrollment period and two and a half million people signed up. So this is the thing that we do know. People want affordable health coverage, but we just have to make it accessible and we have to let them know it's available. The Biden administration opened a special enrollment period back in February. It ends this Sunday, August 15th. Just visit healthcare.gov. And 49-year-old American actress Christina Applegate's been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. The AP's Margie Zaroleta. Applegate previously battled breast cancer. She's probably best known for her roles on Marriage with Children, Jesse, Samantha Who, and Dead to Me. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and the News Nation Now app. I'm Vic Vaughn. Thank you so much. That is some good news to be aware of. Well, are you surviving the heat? I know it was tough for me. This is Keith. Welcome to Michigan Speak Out, the afternoon podcast newscast for SME Community Radio. Yes, we've all been suffering through it. Day one of three, we have still a heat advisory in effect, and I expect that heat advisory to be either reissued or severely extended throughout the uh, time period. So make sure that you are staying cool and in the shade, in the air, and checking on loved ones, and definitely not leaving any pets or children in cars. And we've been talking about that for, for the last several days, um, warning you and preparing you for this big heat wave of three days. 
Well, I posted earlier it's an anniversary of weather, so we're going to go from one extreme to the other, from the extreme of heat to the extreme of severe weather. And today is the one-year anniversary of the Corn Belt derecho, severe thunderstorm that came from the uh, upper Midwest in the plains and then hit Iowa and Illinois just something fierce. We're talking billions of dollars in damage. I read uh, 43% of Iowa's crops were destroyed and damaged in that a year ago. Um, I can remember that just an ordinary, typical Monday, minimal risk of severe weather as I posted earlier today and then on our coverage of the anniversary. And then all of a sudden at lunchtime, it's like, I'm hearing of a moderate risk. I'm like, what's going on? And then finding out there's this major line of thunderstorms that's just doing horrific damage in Illinois and, and moving it east to Iowa and listening to the storm chasers that are dealing with that and it's just getting worse and worse and, and, and then the local media is alerting people like Mike Hoffman and Tom Coombs and Matt Rudkin and saying get ready because this is a bad derecho and they're saying we're going to have 80 to undermount our winds and then the storm finally got here just about supper time and we were much more fortunate than the folks out there were. We did have some damage and there was a tornado um, just to the west or west southwest of Wakarusa, Indiana, if, if, I, uh, if I remember right. And did some minor damage out there. I know I was trying to find it, didn't succeed, but I think I did find some potential um, changing in like swirling or something in a farmer's field. But uh, one year ago, the Corn Belt derecho, hard to believe, all that damage, and, and now it's been a year, and I was listening to the ag news on the radio, and it was, you know, they're still trying to recover from that in certain areas, and I know they were, I saw online, doing a, a benefit. The other big news is Governor Cuomo is going away. He has resigned today noontime resignation found out about it when i got back from lunch immediately looked it up and started sharing a couple of news feeds from cbs and nbc as well as the associated press so governor andrew cuomo has decided to hang it up and will pass on the governorship to a female his assistant the assistant governor of the state of new york and so that'll be history in the making. And so hashtag Nomo Cuomo is definitely going to be uh, a popular saying this day, this afternoon, into the night. Watch CNN to see what his brother Chris Cuomo uh, is going to be saying on his 9 o'clock show. Um, I'm sure we're definitely going to be looking forward to that. The other thing you need to be aware of is severe weather is potential for today and tomorrow um, they're expecting 70 mile an hour winds and, and higher in north central illinois and southern wisconsin so you need to make sure that you are severe weather savvy anytime this evening after seven o'clock tonight um, and then we're going to be doing it again tomorrow again stay hydrated stay cool we're going to keep you up to date on what's happening with anything severe weather wise 
Um, we have the great Skywarn team of Billy Marks and Rick Rogers to keep you informed, and, and they've added a couple other uh, new folks to the uh, Elkhart County Skywarn leadership, so maybe I'll get a chance to uh, talk to those individuals as well. Anyway, stay cool, stay in the shade, and I will be back with some an interview or more. Stay tuned. You're listening to Michiana Speak Out on SME Community Radio. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. I may never have met you. We don't go way back. Maybe we wouldn't even be friends if we did. But when you wear a mask, you have my respect. Because your mask doesn't protect you. It protects me. I wear my mask to protect you. Mask up, America. Brought to you by the Ad Council. What is dedication? My daughter started making necklaces. She makes what we call affirmation fashion. I tell her every day that your black is beautiful. Your black is beautiful. And if there's anything better than being beautiful, it's being smart. If there's anything better than being smart, it's being kind. And reaffirming that every day is our method of making sure her chin never drops. My dad wasn't around. And I remember riding a bike and falling off and cutting myself and me never just wanting to get back on it. People ask, how your children learn how to ride a bike and you didn't? I didn't teach them. I just created an environment where they taught themselves and all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Is it Sylvia? Yes. Hey, welcome. Welcome back to Michigan Speak Out. This is Keith. It is school days, and we're here talking to Sylvia Stark, our great education and community reporter. How are you doing, Sylvia? Good. That's good. Uh, you staying cool? Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay, so fill us in. How's things going for uh, preparations for the first day of school for uh, Elkhart Community Schools? Oh. Elkhart is going. Okay. The only All right. Thing, they, I know one thing they're doing is the masks are optional this year. The start times have changed for elementary, middle school, and high school. And so, I don't know what's going on. I know they're merging. All the freshmen are at one high school, and the 10th, 11th, and 12th graders are at another high school. So all the uh, freshmen will be at Elkhart High East, the old central mm-hmm. building, and the yep. rest of the 10th, 11th, and 12th will be at the old Memorial Building or the Elkhart High School main main campus. So uh, I know that 
Um, you said that there were some different start times. Can you give me those times for Elkhart Community Schools? Yes, the elementary will start at 7.30 and we'll get out at 2. Middle school begins at 8.15 and we'll get out at 3.20. And the high school starts at 8.35 and we'll be done at 4 o'clock. Oh, wow. That's, that's, a, pretty, that's a pretty long day. Um, do you know what the hours will be for Concord schools or some of the other school districts? I have no idea. Okay. And those start days, some of them are starting tomorrow, I believe, right? Right. Which ones? So we have Concord. I'm not for sure where it's on my head. Let's see. We have Goshen started yesterday. Middlebury should be starting tomorrow. Southampton should be starting soon. Bago starts on Thursday. Concord starts on Thursday. A lot of them start tomorrow. Some okay. Tomorrow. All right. And you were saying, Sylvia, that Elkhart Community Schools is going to be still doing optional masks in mm -hmm. spite of the edict that came from the health department yesterday morning. Yes. Okay. Because I know that the wording was putting it, making it look like it was pretty much mandated. Um, do you, I know that Penn High School or the Penn Harris Madison School Districts is going to uh, do an optional mask. Do you know of any other uh, mandated or, or optional school districts? And Sylvia, you still there? And just, okay, yeah, there we go. I got you connected. That's kind of happened to a couple other folks doing interviews. Um, can you tell me what other school districts are are ordering the masks, and are there any others that are saying you can choose to wear them or you can choose to not wear them? The only school that is mandating the mask right now is South Bend Community Schools, Penn Marison, Mishawaka, Fairfield, Elkhart, Concord, Goshen, Middlebury. Those districts are all optional. Unless okay. it changes between now and then. Okay. All right. Are there any um, suggested safety tips that you would like to give the general public um, now that we got this with the school buses coming out and um, out on the roads? Is there any important safety tips that you would like to give parents and, and even for the kids? Kids? I guess for everybody is pay attention to the surroundings. Be alert on both ends. There's going to be, I know that a lot of the schools, especially elementary, they're going to be out in the dark here in a few months. And so we got to pay attention to the ones who are crossing the busy roads, as well as they're wearing bright clothing so they can be seen. And all kinds of stuff. All right. All right. Appreciate that very much. Mm -hmm. We have some. Uh, community events coming up too we have the uh riverwalk grand prix right yes um what days are that going to be taking place and and do you know of any other uh big events coming up this weekend oh the grand prix is this weekend august 13th and 14th there is oh let's see we have thursday would be this thursday again would be a Cruise in in Middlebury at Essen House. 
there would be another tomorrow. There would is Town on the Green, which is next to the New Martins on Jackson Street in Elkhart. And each week they switch up their activities. They have a music guest that comes in each week. They have one or two food trucks. And then the vendors will change each week. And then they're having the kids' activities as well. That's every Wednesday through September. Oh, wow. And is it free to the public? Yes, that's a free event. Okay. Is there any anything else coming up? It is. There will be some music concert series that will be coming up at Wellfield Gardens. And those are happening on Thursdays. And those are pretty well attended. I I've, I know I've driven by some of those areas of the Wellfield Gardens, and I know that there is still the uh, road construction on north part of Main Street out there. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that will be wrapped up here pretty soon. So, um, Sylvia, um, before I let you go here in our afternoon show, um, would you say a prayer for all the students, parents, teachers, and the like for the uh, beginning of the beginning of the school year? Sure. And the father, be with all the kids and teachers and staff that are making their way back. Be with everybody as they adjust to law changes as districts are figuring out new protocols and precautions. I pray that the parents will be patient with the transportation departments and changes will continue to happen throughout the year. Be with the kids as they adjust to more a little bit more normalcy, be it the ones who are returning from virtual last year as they will adjust won't be able to adjust differently and be excited to see their friends. We pray for the teachers as they deal with all kinds of problems that may arise the first few days with the kids. In these days pray amen. All right. Well thank you so much Sylvia. I'm glad you're able to connect and look forward to uh future uh community and school alerts from you and if you can think of anything else to to add or be creative go for it so thank you so much sylvia and uh and stay cool and and good luck over at your two uh schools for card all righty thank you all right well we'll be back with ron varash with our interview and race report and then we also will be bringing you happy and holding him a new uh segment from pastor joel Thank you so much, and keep on listening. Thanks, Sylvia. Yep. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. afternoon ron how are you doing today oh i would say very warm i was uh day at work uh sandblasting a big part and end up doing a primer and paint out as part of a trailer hitch operation and uh 
that was warm. And then I did some grass cutting today. We had a borrow lawnmower to get some stuff done and it worked out pretty good there, but, uh, very warm outside. Anybody that's out there, my God, get some water in them and, uh, boy, try to cool down too. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I know we got an hour early in and an hour early out, um, over at work over at Lippert, Mishawaka. And that's why I'm doing the recording earlier than planned, but that's a good thing. So, um, give us a race recap. What's, what's happened over the weekend besides the uh, Papa Wheelie and the IndyCar on a street course happened? So fill me in locally. Yeah, actually, we had that Sizzler, the 20th annual at New Paris there back on Thursday. And they had 27 late models show up. And uh, for the day of the show, 18 modifieds, uh, really good crowd. That is one time when you go to the races, there's a lot of drivers that attend the race because it's an off night. And if they're not racing, they're going to go spectate. So it's a good time to see a lot of drivers. You kind of just see in the fire suits getting in and out of cars and working on their cars, you know, actually in a relaxed setting and dressed in jeans or shorts and a, you know, baseball cap and um, having fun out there. But uh, well, there you go. But the 20,000 to win, I mean, the show, st uh, it started with 20,000 to win. And they did that for a couple of years and it went down to 10,000, 7,000. And, uh, they brought it back to 20,000 to win for the 20th anniversary. And uh, I think the first, I think the first 11 times they did that race, there was 11 different winners. It was a really good variety. Wow. Warrigs have really dominated since. And uh, with J.R. Warrig and Tyler Warrig, especially Tyler. And uh, he was leading it one year and, uh, you know, got low on gas and Conk took him out of the race and uh, a couple other misfortunes. But uh, he, he won again this year. And, uh, you know, they did the qualifying there, and um, Tyler was fast time as well there. But the race started with uh, 22 cars, and a couple guys dropped out early. And it was Steve Stacy, one of the top feature winners at South Bend. Sean Emor, one of the top runners. And they both uh, had some mechanical issues, stopped on the track. Yellow flag came out. Unfortunately, Kenny Whitman, he was the uh, champion at New Paris a couple years ago late model champion he ended up crashing when they threw the yellow flag and guy was kind of piled up there it took him out of the race so it knocked them out uh but jacob maynard and uh when he saw about racing maynards there was uh ronnie maynard and then there was ronnie maynard uh jr and then uh and then there's just the, the uh, maynards just the kids i remember the, they were all like four and five years old and uh it's just kind of cool seeing them racing late models now but uh, Jacob uh, got the lead on the start, and he led actually the first 51 laps. Well, Tyler started 14th, and JR, I think, was 13th. And they were running single file, and, you know, kind of guys were kind of sorting the cars out and everything. And then Tyler was up to fifth, sixth. He got around JR. He got around a couple other guys. He took the lead on lap 51 and uh, led the rest of the race. And um, really, you know, you know, people are like, man, he's been dominating, uh, Tyler, that is. And he won the little 500 back in may there he actually he's gonna be racing down to indianapolis this weekend and i believe he's gonna be in a midget a silver crown and a sprint car on saturday at the lucas oil speedway actually the old indianapolis raceway park and they okay. got a, they got a big bonus thing going on for if you do win all three races so that that's gonna be a really good race for people to spectate i think you can do watch it on pay-per-view as well but for them to have all three open wheel classes together in one venue it, it doesn't happen very very often at all and no uh, are they gonna race the uh, the bc39 this weekend um that will be at the dirt track i think indianapolis motor speedway there and uh, a lot of things going on because you got the brickyard going on 
you exactly. Know, a lot of stuff kind of correlates with, you know, racing down at the brickyard. You know, you know, traffic can be a concern to a point, you know, with some of the tracks nearby. You know, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is near Indianapolis Raceway Park. So, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the traffic and everything there. And you just got to watch your exits and make sure you're in the right lane and don't try to cut over too soon, too quick. You know, and someone's not paying attention there. And the last thing you want to do is get into a wreck on the way to a racetrack. Right. That would be a bad day. And that would be a, a mess there. But uh, kind of going back to that um, race at New Paris, Tyler Ward, he ended up winning the race. And uh, it's a good deal for him there. And then Jacob Maynard ended up getting second place. And then Bud Perry, a former winner, got third. Jay Awari got fourth. And Jack Landis got fifth. The modifieds, they had 18 modifieds on hand. And a lot of lead swapping back and forth there uh, early on there. Uh, Logan Parker led, I think, the first 13 laps. We did a lap board. And then Al Berry led the next, I think, 13 laps. And first place, um, you know, guys really, but there was a lot of dicing back and forth. Second, third, and fourth. There seemed like to be a lot of incidents on track. And guys are going to the tail. They're doing that madhouse restart. And kind of uh, guys coming back up to the field. But uh, Connor Landis, which is Jack Landis's son, he ended up taking the lead. And on lap I think 32 and led the last 18 laps to win the $2,000 prize for mods. Normally they race for anywhere from seven to a thousand dollars to win for a weekly show. And that race at new Paris to pay 2000 to win a guy from Canton, Ohio actually got second Bubba Smith. And he was involved in a wreck early on, uh, went to the pits, came back out. And then just the way they go with that madhouse restart and what kind of like that madhouse restart, instead of lining the cars up single file and he stays single file, they put a cone on the track. And the guy decides, the leader, do I go high or do I go low? And he goes underneath the cone, he stays low. If he goes high, he goes up the cone. And then the next guy can decide, do I go high or do I go low? And so maybe some guys are like, hey, the outside's a little bit too slippery right now. So the first, say, four guys could stay on the low side. The guy in fifth place says, hey, I'm going to go up high. He goes all the way up to outside front row and does the restart that way. But... uh it uh, it makes it interesting, and guys can be jumping around in positions. As you know, they can be in fourteenth one one uh, caution, and then the next caution comes out, they could be in third place. So it really, mm-hmm. it really jumbles around how those uh, that that madhouse restart is, and they started that down at Bowman Gray Speedway down there in North uh, North Carolina, and that you know kind of a famous track down there with modifieds, and uh, they had them on TV for a bit, and boy, a lot of fights and a lot of. Oh, God. You know, when you put the cameras in front of guys, they got to keep the storyline going. They really got some crazy stuff that was going on there. But uh, but at other races that happened over the weekend, we'll go to Plymouth Speedway. And Derek Losh, he won the modified race. And Trey Johnson took the non-wing 600s. Lee Hall took the Thundercar main. And Josh Link took the four-cylinder. Now, when you talk pavement racing, like, say, at South Bend or at New Paris or Angola, most of the cars are like 50 miles and closer to a race, just in general, unless it's a really big show. But what I always say when dirt guys travel on dirt, boy, and, and that I mean that shows up the modified race at Plymouth that had Derek Losh winning from Rensselaer, Frankie Marshall's from Valparaiso, and then you go down to the guy that finished sixth, he was from Schoolcraft, Michigan, and then you go the guy that finished eighth was St. Joe, Michigan. Uh, another guy that finished 10th was from LaGrange. Another guy was Rensselaer. And another guy from Hobart was in 15th. And then you go to the 600 class. And they had the guy that got third place came from Greenfield, Indiana. 
I mean, there's just these guys that's like to travel with the dirt. And it's just odd how that is. The guy that wins a Thunderstock, man, he's from Oxford, Indiana, which is down by Lafayette. I never heard of that town before. Uh, yeah, and when those those guys that run Thunderstocks used to have a track called Crown Point, and it closed up. And some of them guys kind of – that was years ago, but it seems like those cars are still hanging around or the drivers are still hanging around racing. And either they'll race Shady Hill on Saturday night, which is – by uh, south of Winnemac, or they'll go to Plymouth, or they'll go to Kankakee on Friday night. But uh, they like to travel, and you get some weird names, and it, it's almost like it's between Lafayette, Chicago, and Michigan City. It's just like, mm. man, what town is that? But um, kind of going through the Thunderstocks, and these are the guys that race for like 200 to win. It was Oxford, Indiana, Lafayette, Indiana, Griffin, Indiana, Brookston, Indiana was fourth, fifth was Hannah, Indiana, then Lafayette, Hobart, Hebron. And then Shuttlesville, Star City, Rensselaer, Hebron, North Winchester, North Manchester, and Winnemac, Lafayette, Morocco, Lafayette, Lawrence, Michigan, and Elkhart. I mean, it's good and bad. You get guys that like to travel, but then sometimes it's tough for a track to get fans when you don't have that many local drivers there. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm here to cheer on so-and-so. Well, if that guy's not racing there or he's not racing, now you're hoping to pull, you know, fans locally from guys that are out of town. And, um, but it's just, you know, kind of too, with the dirt, they have kind of the rules. If you're a, if you're a, a UNP modified, you're a UNP modified, it really basically all the tracks in the country that run UNP. So you can pull in and be legal. Sometimes pavement tracks, they have different sets of rules too. And that will kind of deter some guys from showing up because then they have to change the car around different tires, different, um, boy shocks. Uh, you know, even widths of the car and, you know, spoilers and stuff like that. So uh, kind of one of those things with local racing. It's uh, um, just sometimes it's the good and sometimes it's the not so good parts of it there. But uh, going to uh, Angola Motor Speedway, they had that Tommy Cook or the, uh, the, the Cook Memorial there. And uh, he was a driver that passed away from cancer. And he passed away, I'm thinking it was like five years ago. He went to Winchester. He went to race there one more time. And he um, barely could get in a car and barely could get out. But he did. That was his bucket list. And then he passed away shortly after that. But uh, um, good racing there. They had about 75, 80 cars on hand. Uh, and then uh, Al Cook, actually, was for the guy that passed. But Tommy Cook won the feature race. That was actually his brother. And then... Uh, Tony Dagger got second, Scott Hans got third, some veterans there. The modified main was taken by Jonathan Gatton. Uh, Justin DuBois took the mini stock feature. Street stock was Brad Wetzel, and the front wheel drive was Chip Heinzelman. Um, going to South Bend Motor Speedway last Saturday night, and they had the regular divisions plus the Illini Midget Series. And uh, the, like I say, the midgets used to run mainstay throughout northern Indiana, southern Michigan, Jolly, Illinois was a hot spot for them back in the 70s and 80s. And then uh, guys start getting some more expensive motors, tires got more expensive, and then the car counts start going down. And some guys were just in it for racing and they got up in age and there just wasn't a feeder class to really keep these guys, uh, keep the class going. So this Illini group is really one of the very few midget series that races in the Midwest, they race at Grundy County, Illinois, Morris, Illinois, Rockford, Illinois, and South Bend, pretty much their schedule. And they'll get anywhere between seven and nine cars for the shows for the most part. Now, the midgets are at Indianapolis this weekend. Those are kind of like a USAC 
uh, variants of the USAC midget, and they're going to get about 22, 24 of them down there for that race. And these guys will have the higher end motors and um, a little more sophisticated um, suspension pieces on those cars. Those cars will be, you know, like anywhere from like say about fifteen thousand dollars to thirty thousand dollar midgets. And wow, they only race them a few times a year. But going back to South Bend, uh, Scott Corner actually races stock cars over at Grundy County. He won the Illini Midget Race, and then Rich Bull won the late model feature. And Randy Fowler took the Hornet feature. Jeff Stetler took the street stock A main. And then Cody Lawler took the B main for the street stocks. And then Dustin Williams won the mini stock feature. Derek Davis took the front wheel drive A main. And then uh, Tom Smith took the front wheel drive B main. And then on the Hornet end of it, Matt Elsie Jr. took the Hornet B main. And Scott Elsie, his grandfather, actually took the uh, C main. Now, it kind of like, you know, the more you get involved in racing, when they say A main, B main, C main, the A main's normally you're going to be your fastest 14, your fastest 16 cars. And then the B main is going to be qualifiers. That next group, the next 12 cars or 14 cars in that group will be your B main. Then your C main is going to be your slower, like your slower third. And uh, that could be anywhere from eight to 10 cars. So, uh, but the A main is always the one that everybody wants to shoot for. And then the B main, if you win it, you win it though. It doesn't pay as much, but, uh, you know, still walking out of there with a feature winning, you know, uh, kind of good morale for the drivers there too. So it's been a lot of good fun. So tell us what's the schedule for the BC 39. Um, actually that's going to be a midget race on dirt. Now, if, um, going back, I'm going to say, oh, God, it was about two and a half months ago. Jeff Gordon had a midget that he was racing. It was kind of a restored one over there. And the track was made over at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And they wanted to do something, um, you know, kind of like you just can't race the 500 in the brickyard. So they, they just, you know, they do the road course now, of course, as well there. And they built this dirt track. And it's about, oh, I'm going to say a small quarter, a big fifth mile. And they're going to have, it's Brian Clawson, actually, uh, you know, named after the BC deal. And he passed away a few years ago. And he's, um, he was winning a lot of races in a lot of different venues with USAC. And he had a, unfortunately, had a wreck at Tulsa and uh, got into the wall. And then he, his car stopped. And then he got, I believe he got hit by another car. And then he lost his life. And he donated, he had a thing set up for his organs to be donated. And, uh, you know, that even that touched a few people there as well. But um, him passing kind of before his time, um, you know, just kind of a shame there. But uh, it's going to be the, the midgets on dirt. Now, the uh, when you have cars that run dirt and pavement, a lot of times you can't crisscross them over. And midgets is the same thing. You'll have dirt midgets and you probably have, uh, I'm going to say, probably right in the range of 35 to 50 midgets on hand from across the country. It's just the opportunity to race in that deal. And they're going to have some um, qualifying. They'll have heat races where they'll be transferred to the feature race. And then there'll be B mains and C mains. And then they'll have like a C main. The top two of that race go to the B main. And then the B main, the top two go to the A main. So you could basically win a C main and then go to the B main, get top two and four and then go to the A main. It, it can be pretty exhausting, but sometimes you see guys do that, whether it's Knoxville Nationals. Or uh, even Eldora with the Kings Royal and stuff. Guys going through the, the feature races like that. But uh, that's going to be down there in Indianapolis. Like I say, you got the Brickyard race down there as well. 
And, uh, you know, that's, uh, remember at first when that came out, that place was just packed. And then it started losing its luster a little bit with the crowd. It kind of, the newness wore off a little bit. And, you know, they're doing the, what they can to get more people in there. And, you know, they got the road course set up now to, you know, even draw more interest with the Indy cars and stuff. And, uh, um, you know, it's like Tony Holman, he's finally happy to get people in there. <laughs> you know, the, the, remember, he couldn't get the people in there and everything for the 500s and that. And I mean, that just... For some people, they want every single year, and they're like, can I somehow get into that place? I got a streak going. It's like, no, people were allowed with the COVID deal going on. So it, uh, some people just like, of all things, not you can't go to a race. But mm-hmm. uh, they finally got the restrictions lifted and, you know, able to do that. Now I kind of go with the World of Outlaws. Another big race this weekend is the Knoxville Nationals. And I think that'll be on Flow TV as well. And that's Knoxville, Iowa, and that's like with the world of all, all sprint cars on dirt. And I think they got, I'm like, like closest to almost 100 entries for that right now, 85 to 100 entries. And they'll have guys, um, really guys that run 410s throughout the country want to go there just for a chance to run it. Plus the, the world of all, all will have their 30-some car group there. And then some of the all-star sprints that run all-star circuits, they'll be racing that. And it'll be quite the big shabu there on the half mile. And that's and when you ever used to see those wrecks with cars either hitting those walls and going over the fences, that was Knoxville, Iowa. They always had some really big wrecks there with the speeds they get on that half mile. They get like about 135, 140 down the straightaway. And then we got some local racing um, over there at South Bend. They're going to have a 2,500 to win late model race for the Super Lakes, and they're going to do a kid's nickel pitch. And plus the regular divisions and Ileana reunion night and new Paris is going to have the flagger boy 50. And that's a race in honor of Donnie Galloway. And he was a flagman at new Paris and he unfortunately lost his life in the early eighties. And he was just, uh, just very young. I think he was 20 years old. I remember he was almost the same age as I was when he passed and they've done this race for years now. And then, you know, in honor of uh, Danny and uh, his father, Jake passed away a few years ago, but his mom, Nancy, and his sister are still alive, and they'll have Nancy at the track, and we're going to head there Saturday night. We're going to do a lap board. We're going to get it fired up here just after we're done talking here on the phone and do like a lap board for the uh, A main for the street stocks, and there's going to be enough cars for a B main, and it's going to be like a $5 a lap. Um, your name will be mentioned over the PA system. We'll have it on Facebook, keep you know track of it and everything, and that leader that lap gets that $5, and we're going to try to do Five bucks on the first race, and then try to fill up the second race. So then, if we want to go when we people want to go to ten dollars or fifteen or twenty, then we can add into that. But I'd rather get all the laps filled first, and then we can start adding, you know, a few extra dollars for some other spots. Sure, there. understand that. So, well, Ron, thank you so much for giving us that great race report, and I look forward to speaking with you a little bit on Friday. I'm going to be down to the Elkhart Riverwalk Grand Prix to do some live feed uh, early on when they do the first runs there on Friday on Michigan Homegrown Talent Radio. So hopefully you'll get a chance to see what's happening down there. They're running in clockwise formation. So, hey, you stay cool. Hear your little kitty fussing over there. Yeah, we got two kittens. They're just about seven weeks old, and they wanted nothing to do with me. And I gave them a bath about three weeks ago. And now it's like whenever I sit somewhere, they are either on your lap or on your shoulder. <laughs> I got two of them on my lap what? now. 
then they're just uh, just as lovable as can be. And we got one more upstairs, and I'm sure he's sitting with mom up there. <laughs> so, uh, well, you take care and you stay hydrated and cool, right? I got a lemonade, and I want to start that lap board. So, and I, I have a, a high suspicion we're going to have SME Radio as one of the lap sponsors on there too. I agree. We're going to plug you guys on there again. So, uh, thank you. And thank then, plus, you. we got a lot of pictures. And some month. Okay, and we're going to have a lot of pictures we're going to get posted here going on here, too. So. Wonderful. All right, you take care, Ron. All right, thank you so much now, yep. Keith. Bye-bye. Mm, okay, bye-bye. And that was Ron Varash. We'll be back. There we go. Imagine being arrested and hauled off to jail for professing to be a Christian. The next day, you find yourself in the courtroom. And you're told to stand up before the jury and answer if you will profess faith in Jesus. And you do. You stand there and you answer, yes, I am a Christian. But then the judge tells you that your profession is not enough to establish evidence that this is true. The prosecution, though, has been working hard, secretly investigating your life for a long time, watching your actions, looking for hard facts, for indisputable proof that your profession is true. If you were facing this jury, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? Would your life demonstrate that you were guilty of being a Christ follower? Hi, I'm Pastor Joel and welcome again to Happy and Whole in Him. Today we come to a passage beginning in James 2.14, perhaps the theological high point of this letter as James helps us to see if our profession of faith is genuine. James writes, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? In verse 14, we hear the first two of a series of six questions that James is going to put to us. James is sort of like a master detective here, asking question after question to make sure there is no stone left unturned. What is it that James is seeking to help us discover? The nature of saving faith. What's the nature of faith that assures a person that they can stand in the coming judgment? And James begins by asking us if a faith profession alone is even profitable, if it's of any good, any worth, if it has no works. And he leaves us with no doubt that a profession without evidence is a false faith. In the life of a true believer, there will be visible, tangible evidence. As his half-brother Jesus said, By their fruits you will know them. Matthew 7.20 And James asks us another question, which he then answers in verses 15 to 17. He writes, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This is the first of four case studies about the nature of saving faith that James is going to give us. And James says in this first study that true faith meets the needs of the poor. It does not wish a needy brother well and just walk on by. Remember, James had said at the end of chapter 1 that true religion cares for orphans and widows. I remember walking into church and I noticed a sister who was struggling with some burdens that she was removing from her vehicle. 
I slowed down a bit to evaluate the situation, but I didn't really stop moving. My wife noticed my hesitation and said, go see if she needs a hand. My wife was encouraging me to live out my faith. My look of concern and slowed pace meant nothing. True concern has hands and feet. If all I do is pretend like I am concerned and do nothing, when I am able to do something, James says my concern is fake. Friends, we cannot profess to be Christ followers while ignoring the needy. Why not, Joel? Because Jesus didn't. Jesus himself saw us in our helpless condition. He left heaven to become the bread of life to feed dying men. And he was stripped of his garments on the cross in order to clothe us with his righteousness. And our world continues to be needy. And now we are the ones empowered by the Spirit to show that both will call him Lord. But only to the group on his right will Jesus say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And this group is surprised and says, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Listen to the Lord's reply in verse 40. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The other group of professing believers, they're told to depart into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Why, Joel? Because they did not invite in the stranger. They did not clothe the needy. They did not visit the sick in prison. My friends, let us provide the evidence in our lives that we have true faith. Our works do not save us, but a faith that saves will be working. Let's not find ourselves DOA, dead on arrival, when we're called to stand before the judge. Remember who you are and who you belong to. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Maybe you're not sure how you'll make rent or you lost your job. When you don't know where to turn, let 211 be your guiding light. Our guides are ready to connect you with the help you need. 211, how can I help you? Call or visit 211.org. 211, get connected, get help. A message from United Way and the Ad Council. Profile America, Tuesday, August 10th. The Smithsonian Institution was founded on this date in 1846. It's named for British scientist James Smithson, who willed his fortune to the United States to establish the institution, even though he had never visited America. Today, the 175-year-old Smithsonian is the world's largest museum and research complex, made up of 21 museums and galleries, the National Zoo, and nine research centers. It currently has some 155 million items in its collections. It's one of the main attractions for both American and foreign tourists, and pre-pandemic in 2019 hosted 22.1 million visitors. In addition to the Smithsonian Archipelago, there are nearly 5,300 mostly modest museums nationwide, employing some 96,000 people. 
You can find more facts about America from the U.S. Census Bureau online at census.gov. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12-hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone. Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals, but I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. This concludes our podcast for today. Stick with us Monday through Friday and download it here through anchor.fm and the Anchor podcast free of charge through your Google Play Store. On behalf of us at SME, have a good one.